text this morning is 2 Peter 3, uh, 10 to 14. The 15a that you see around is from an earlier version that didn't get transferred to the right people at the right time. But we'll read uh, 2 Peter 3, uh, verses 10 to 14 as our text. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn? But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these things, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, as Peter is writing to the persecuted church, suffering because of their faith, he ends his letter, he reminds the people of God about how it was at the beginning. God made the world perfectly. It was a place where righteousness was dwelling. Then when Adam and Eve rebelled against God and they were separated from the tree of life in paradise, in the following centuries, the degenerating rust of rebellion and violence and sexual immorality began to permeate the very fabric of society as the curse infiltrated and slowly ruined all of creation. Genesis 6 then tells how the Lord reacted to that spread of corruption. We read there that he was grieved and he determined to make an end of all flesh by deluging, that means flooding the world with water. When the people of God then were suffering persecution, the time of Peter, he reminds them that God did not spare that ancient world. He reminds them of that time so that the church will not think that the scoffers in that day were correct when they said this day wasn't coming, it was a myth. And although, says Peter, we may not understand God's timing and how he could allow the suffering to continue because real people that they knew and maybe themselves were, were feeling the pain of being a Christian, we do not, may not understand God's timing the promise that we see in Scripture from the history is that the Lord will come. He will keep his promise to return. At the same time, by using the historical example, historical event of the worldwide flood, the Lord Jesus, the Lord is showing us that God always had a special purpose for his people, even in the midst of, of the punishment. Noah was a preacher of righteousness. He was calling all men to repentance. The very fact that the Lord was grieved to see that suffering and violence continue, it was a promise of hope for the people of God who were suffering. So the Lord Jesus, when he was on earth, he saw the suffering and he was grieved by that suffering. We see who our Lord is. 
And the Holy Spirit tells the persecuted church about God's purpose and all that was going to happen on the day of the Lord so that the church might remain steadfast, might be firm in, the, in their hope and the promise of a new heaven and a new earth. And as a theme in the family visits this year, we will see how the Holy Spirit uses the gospel message of the appearing of the Lord to lead each one of us in a diligent, holy, and God-focused life as we look forward to the same promise of God's complete restoration of a home where righteousness dwells. And I preach to you this gospel, when the Lord appears, he will bless the righteous with a new home. We'll see that in Christ we are safe from the coming destruction. Second, we are focused on the coming of our Lord. And third, we are prepared for the coming blessedness. The day of the Lord, our text says, will come like a thief. Verse 12, that same day is referred to as the day of God. So what is the day of the Lord? We look to the Old Testament, it's already mentioned. It's a day of judgment in which the wicked will be punished and the righteous will be vindicated and delivered. In the New Testament, the day of judgment is particularly associated with the return and the coming of Jesus Christ. It's referred to as the day of God, the day of the Lord, the day when Christ is revealed. That day, we read, will come like a thief in the night. It will come like a thief in the night, but it will not leave like a thief in the night. For everyone will know when it happens. And the believer can know that when the day of judgment comes, they will look into the eyes of their judge and they will see their Savior, Jesus Christ, there. The very one who gave his life while he was on earth. The very one who gave his life to ensure our eternal life so that we could pass through the judgment. He is the one who is coming again to get all things ready for the church. If you believe in Jesus Christ, if you live in him, you can see that you certainly do not need to be afraid of the day of the Lord. When our Lord Jesus Christ appears, and the Lord himself comes down to make his dwelling among men, just as it was when he made his dwelling among men in the tabernacle, in the temple, so also the created heaven and earth will, be made, will need to be made ready for his holy presence. And so in our text, the Holy Spirit reveals that the Lord will purify his creation for this day. You can even see in verse 12 that that purification comes because of the day of God. Because God is coming down to, to dwell with mankind on earth, he is, he is going to purify it with mighty force and with power. Nothing of the sinful order or the fallen creation will remain. We read in verse 10, but the heavens will pass away with a roar. The elements will be burned up and dissolved and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Well, these heavens that will pass away do not refer to the dwelling of God, but to the heavens that God created, that we sang about 
in Psalm 102 that were compared to a worn-out garment that has reached the end of its time of, of service. All creation, we read in Romans 8, is groaning and, and laboring in bondage to corruption. And then suddenly there will be a roar and the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved and the heavenly bodies or, or the elements, they will melt as they burn. The veil separating God's dwelling from the earth will dissolve and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. We can see it maybe like a, a piece of silver that is wrapped in cloth that is thrown into a fiery furnace. Well, the worn out cloth of the heavens will dissolve instantly and the earth, like gold or silver, will be exposed to the, 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 the heat of the refiner's fire. All that is stained or corrupted by sin and the effects of the fall will burn off like dross, and all that is created to withstand will be purified. While knowing that this will happen, we can see right away how dangerous it is to turn away from Christ Jesus in order to gain something from this earth for yourselves, in order to gain possessions or standing in the world. We know what's going to happen to all those things when our Lord Jesus Christ returns. All those earthly things that we think are so important today, they will not last through the final day when Christ returns. And the Holy Spirit tells us that when our Lord Jesus appears, only those who love Him, only those who have put their faith in Him, only those who are abiding in the Lord as His children, as we sang about in Psalm 102, only those will be safe from all destruction because they belong to Him as a bride belongs to her husband on His return. Though some will see this day as the end of everything they ever knew and ever loved, Believers will know that it is a day when their eternal home will be finally made ready and finally complete. The Holy Spirit says that we, and I'm thinking here, referring to 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 15 to 17, we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up in the clouds together with the dead in Christ to rise first to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. And then later in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 9 that we read together, For God has not destined His children for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. The church is distinguished from the world of unbelievers because we know the truth about that day. It will not surprise us like a thief. You already know today what to expect. And so rather than settling into this life saying peace and security, rather than clinging to all that is temporary and we keep on doing that, don't we? We keep on getting mixed up, focused on these temporary things. It's like clinging to ash. God's people will live as aliens and strangers 
in the present world, as we eagerly expect, as we wait for the coming day of the Lord. We're focused on that coming day. And so 2 Peter 3, verse 11, the Holy Spirit shows us the consequences in the lives of all who believe that their Lord Jesus Christ is coming. He builds on the fact of that coming destruction and, and he says, since all these things, since all these things are thus to be destroyed, what sort of people ought you to be? Think about how this knowledge will affect your lives, your priorities, the use of your time here on earth. And, and as, certainly as you're hearing of the destruction, you were already thinking of some of the things. What, what, how does this affect me? Do you realize how this knowledge affects the, the choice of your vocation? Your relationships with family and friends or colleagues? The relative importance of the different things you are involved in? Your marriages? How you raise your children? Are you placing importance on the right things in your life? In verse 11, the Holy Spirit points us to, to three consequences. He says how necessary it is for you and then to live in holy conduct and godliness, number one. Secondly, to wait expectantly. And then third, to hasten or to be eager for the coming day of God. Well, to live in holiness means to, to, to live in the restored image of God that we have in Jesus Christ. To live as the body of Christ who is our head. So live separated from the world and dedicated to our King. When the Holy Spirit makes us believe in the day of, of the Lord, He also makes us eager to be the people that God made us to be to walk in a manner worthy of the calling we have received. Godliness is revealed in truly desiring to pursue a holy life according to the commandments of God. Now this godliness being that follows from being holy and set apart, it's not motivated then by a fear of, of judgment, but it's motivated as, as a body is, is focused on the head or as a, as a bride is focused on the bridegroom, it's motivated by the anticipation of joyful peace and eternal happiness. Using the imagery of a bridegroom coming to his bride's home to live with her together in a completely renovated and new and, and joyful life, that new beginning, the apostle urges the church to be diligent, to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. That's verse 14. Be diligent to be found by him a certain way. Well, if you know a special guest is, will be coming to your home, what do you do? Well, you tend to notice those things that... that need to be done. Things that probably never bothered you very much before, whether it be the, the dirt or the dust or the laundry or, or maybe a, a quickly prepared meal. Since there's a guest coming, you quickly prepare 
and you quickly tidy up the appearances of your home. Now, if that guest has given you a, a special gift, like clothes or painting or, or a car, you would especially ensure that those things look nice. I want to show that you appreciate the gift. Well, how much more will we notice the sins that we have allowed to, to seep into our hearts and lives when the guest who is coming is the very one who has given his life, shed his blood to pay for those sins, to make you, to make you clean? Jesus asked the disciples what he would find when he comes. It's a good question for us to ask ourselves too. Are we showing disregard for the death of Christ Jesus our Savior? By now after that making ourselves vulnerable to and perhaps even embracing the very enemies of the church and the sinful desires that he saved us from? What kind of situation will our King Jesus find in our church, in our home, in our workplace, in our classroom, in our private life? Teenagers walk around a lot with earbuds, but if he took that earbud and put it in his ear, what would he, what would he hear? He looks at the Continue watching on Netflix or watch again. What, what would he see? How far did you let yourself go as it slowly snuck up on you? If you looked at your internet, you listened to the words you said to your spouse or to your friends and the language that you used, what will our Lord Jesus see? when he comes back. If he comes to a home where the Spirit of God is dwelling, guiding, leading with the Word, well, he will find a person, he will find a family that does not want to live in sin. Family that hates some of the very things that, that he is finding. And yet, stumbling often in weakness and complacency, he will also see that continual process, that continual battle, that, that fight, the conflict against these sins. We'll see some that, more of that this afternoon. We look at Lord's Day 33. When the Spirit dwells in our hearts and lives, he, he sees God's people celebrating his grace to us in Jesus Christ, even as we're doing now. God's people are, are like a bride who's making herself ready by washing in the water and the soap given to her by the bridegroom, applying all that Christ has obtained for us. We are preparing ourselves. We're like the bride who's putting on the beautiful white garments of righteousness so graciously given to her by the bridegroom. That's what the, the homes look like 
And like uh, that bride, we wait. We wait expectantly with every fiber of our being focused on that moment when he who is our life appears and we also will appear with him in glory. The apostle Peter points out that since we know he is coming, we will be waiting for the Lord's return. The, the bride putting on the, the, the white dress, washing with the soap and water, looking at the door. That word waiting has a sense of expecting, like Noah when he entered the ark. And he was distinguished from those who just kept on eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage as if nothing would ever change. The Lord Jesus helps us to picture what that looks like when he, with the parable of the five foolish maidens and the five wise maidens. Some lived in the selfish live for the now moment. They were the foolish ones and the wise lived with the, that expectation of the coming of the groom in any time. And so rather than live like the wicked servants in Jesus' parable in Matthew 24, verse 45, rather than use Jesus' delay as a reason to be unkind or violent or to get drunk, the Holy Spirit tells us in Jude 21, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Waiting, expecting, means keeping awake, being sober like we read about in 1 Thessalonians 5. Waiting, making it real. The story of a speaker at a conference, he went to the, the front and he was started his speech to say that he was, he, he was concerned about the expectation of the church he was addressing uh, because as he was walking in the hallway he noticed the schedule for the conference that went for another 10 years and he said don't you expect that Jesus will come back and that idea of expecting waiting and knowing that he will come back it lives with us every moment James 5 verse 9 says that the, the Lord is standing by the door are, are you looking at that door? And not just waiting, says Peter, but hastening his coming or, or speeding his coming. That means looking forward to the day with a great longing. We have in the Belgic Confession, Article 37. A great longing to enjoy the full promises of God in Jesus Christ. To hasten his coming means to believe Christ who says... Surely, I am coming soon. And then responding with prayer, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Now God has an appointed time that we cannot speed up or slow down. The scriptures reveal that the coming of our Lord Jesus is related to repentance. It's related to the preaching of the gospel throughout all the earth so that every nation can hear it. The promise of the joy of heaven that makes us eager for, for that moment when, when all, the full number of God's elect from every nation in the world are gathered together. That hastening and that, that eagerness that, that leads us to also care, to reach out. 
Are you eager for Christ's return? It's not the same as asking if you're eager to die, for dying brings sadness to earthly friends and only partial restoration as we're set free from sin and the effects on the body. But are we focused on, on Christ's return? When our bodies and souls are united, when you can worship the Lord with, with all your being, or are we satisfied with the little we have? Satisfied because we love our earthly relationships so much? Do you eagerly desire the appearing of our Lord? Or have you become so attached to earthly relationships, earthly possessions, earthly success, jobs, people, cars, degrees, houses, and all other earthly combustibles? And whoever's in my catechism class will notice I got that right. Not consumables, combustibles. Things that will burn up. Do you speak about the end of the world as if it's a negative thing? Comforting each other. Don't worry, it's not the end of the world. But we love the end of the world. That's the return of my Savior when everything will be made ready. But we don't have to do that. We don't have to be afraid of that day anymore. In Christ, we've been given a permanent home with a perfectly loving family from all over the world and a perfect blessedness that is given to us for all eternity by the love of God in Christ Jesus. A new heaven and a new earth, Peter says. A new creation. And we don't know all the details of this new creation and Peter doesn't even try to explain it in our text. Because he's writing to encourage believers to be holy and righteous in the midst of persecution. He wants the church to, 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 to love and embrace Jesus Christ no matter what the cost. Because that's the only thing that's important. And so the thing he mentions, he says, that new heaven and new earth, it's a home where righteousness dwells. There's only one way to be righteous before God. And that is in Christ Jesus who paid for our sins when he died on the cross. And so your faith in Jesus Christ, that's what makes the difference. That's what separates you like wheat from the weeds. It's what saves you from the lake of fire, which is the second death, which is reserved for those who do not repent of their cowardice and their faithlessness, detestable lives, their murder, sexual immorality, sorcery, idolatry, and lies. We read about that right in Revelation 21, verse 8. But you, brothers and sisters, when God looks at you, he sees those who are righteous in Jesus Christ. You who believe in him have been washed clean in Christ's blood from all sin and stain. A righteousness that is given to you like the white robes of, of righteousness. The white robes that a, a bridegroom gives to a bride. And you can see it, right? You can see it. You desire to live in all this holiness. 
You desire to, to leave the, the things here on earth that just distract you and, and tie you down to something that will be destroyed. Your heart is directed to the Lord, to Christ, to the promise, to the hope, to the new heavens and the new earth. You see it because the Holy Spirit is renewing your heart. He is transforming you. So John says, that's why 1 John 2, verse 28, you may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame that is coming. That's a promise. It comes right close to our hearts. So what is left for us in this life but to give thanks, to give praise, to, to walk with joy in all that Christ has obtained for us. The Lord is coming to prepare a home where righteousness dwells. We can look forward to this home because we are righteous in Christ. And that affects every decision we make, every priority in our lives. That truth comes right into our homes. It affects our music. It affects our entertainment. It affects our, the way we speak to each other as husband and wife. How we interact with our parents and our children. It comes right to us. It's a practical, implica practical implications. And so we end with the words of 2 Peter 3, 17 and 18. You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen.